Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Second Opinion with my mother's favorite doctor, me, Dr. Christian. This is the podcast that is the poultice to your canker. I'm not allowed to start this podcast for some unfathomable reason known only to the legal profession without making it abundantly clear that if you feel unwell at any point, you should ask medical help, either by calling NHS 111, consulting your GP, or visiting your local hospital. The opinions expressed in this podcast apparently should not be relied upon for health or professional advice, even though I am a practising working doctor. Lawyers will never cease to baffle me. With me, as always, is my friend, colleague and wise sage and civil, Alex Stanger. Alex, how I just love that disclaimer. Every week, it, it, it riles you even more. It riles me. We're in series two, and you still haven't got over that you have to do that. And I still have to say it. <laughs> I still have to say it. Well, now, this week is a subject that um, is very close, unfortunately, or fortunately, to a lot of people's hearts. And it's something that um, fills me sometimes with uh, with issues, shall we say, which I want to explore. And that is one of fertility or infertility. And I'm going to let Alex introduce our guest this week because you have a personal connection. I do. I do. Because Dr. Mary Wren helped me um, start my family because I had unexplained infertility. Um, I'm actually getting quite emotional. I didn't expect that. Already? Um, Not already. already. And I'm just doing the intro. I had 10 years ago, I had unexplained infertility. We tried for three years to start a family. We had no joy. I was at my wit's end and then I went to the Lister um, Hospital in London and um, we luckily, very luckily, managed to get pregnant first time through IVF. And that's very much thanks to you, Dr. Mary. Oh, that's, that's lovely. lovely. <laughs> so, Mary, you work at the Lister Hospital. I do, You are I do. a fertility, fertility or infertility expert? Um, I suppose fertility because we're trying hopefully to help people have a, a baby. But obviously what we're dealing with, not always... Um, are predominantly infertile couples. Um, at the moment, obviously, our kind of clientele has slightly changed in that we are also seeing people that aren't infertile but are maybe considering options um, if they're going to have difficulty having children. Alex, what was happening with you then? What was going on at that time? So... Forgive me, because had you asked me 10 years ago, I would have absolutely remembered all the words, the F something or other, or this or that. It basically meant my fertility, it was me rather than my partner, was falling off a cliff. I was, I follow cool, I didn't have enough 
of whatever I meant to have. Whatever you needed. Whatever I needed, right. it wasn't happening. Yeah. And then we ended up having to go through various different stages. So we went to blastocyst and which is oh, you can explain all of this. But we did we had to we went on this very big journey. I think I had three years of trying to get pregnant, having had possibly my whole adult life before that trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> and then Ironic, isn't and it? yeah, and then had these three years. And to be quite honest, by the time I got to the Lister, I think that mentally looking back, there was no way I would have got pregnant because naturally, because I was so wrought and I was so upset and everybody around me was pregnant and I was so jealous and emotionally I was just at the end of my rope. And I and every month, the worst thing is that every month you get your period and it's when you're actually so emotional anyway because you've got all those hormones. So every month I was probably teetering on losing my partner because he, poor guy was having to put up with this woman who was... Oh, it was it was just such a hideous time for such a prolonged amount of time. And then we came to see you and a lecture you gave an open evening. And it was one of those moments where I went, oh, okay. And it was because it was so unexplained to suddenly then go to an open evening and say, we might be able to help you. We might not, but we might be able to help you. It suddenly felt as if... I'd taken action because I'd had three years of of it just being unexplained and me feeling so useless and my body feeling so useless, and then suddenly I felt like okay, I'm I'm doing something towards towards the end goal, which is hopefully to get pregnant. And we were very lucky, and we did. And Doctor Ren, will you before we get into the nitty gritty, so to speak, will you tell us a little bit about what you do specifically? So. I'm a gynaecologist and the bulk... A of fanny mechanic, as we used to call <laughs> it. Oh, a fanny the, mechanic. And the bulk of, obviously, my day-to-day work is involved in um, infertility treatment. So I will um, do consultations with patients uh, who are new to the clinic. I will see patients for follow-up if um, they've had investigations and we're reviewing their um, investigations. I will see patients who've sadly had treatment that has failed. And obviously I'm involved in the kind of treatment aspects. So I will do um, an operating list where we are harvesting eggs. I will do a list where we're transferring embryos and I will spend um, a a day every fortnight where I'm the doctor in charge of reviewing the scan patient, the the results of the scans that the patients are having during their treatment process. I'm also um, on the rotor for doing on-call work because we work throughout the working week and I um, do an open evening that uh, what Alex was talking about about once a month where we um, have a evening session where patients can come to the hospital where we give a presentation and they can ask questions that may be pertinent to themselves about treatment. happens I think in no other specialty that I think of that you say come along and just ask us anything we're not very good at that doctors well you clearly are but the rest of us aren't Um, that would be so useful wouldn't it I think because an awful lot of infertility treatment is not offered through the NHS that um, as a private clinic being able to offer an open evening means that patients can come and get some information without actually having to commit to paying for an individual consultation now obviously if you have a room full of 30 couples you're not going to be able to answer every single personal question that every patient has but sometimes 
people just want to hear a little bit of background information about what is involved in treatment, because I think so many people, and obviously Alex expressed this, are just frightened. Mm. They feel they've come up against a brick wall. Um, There's information available on the internet, but it's often... A little bit scary. I think it's sometimes not appropriate. People are allowed to make um, statements that are strictly not true because the internet obviously isn't always scientifically validated with the information that's available. So I do think that patients often find that useful. Um, I think they get to see where the hospital is. They know how to get there because it isn't easy. I don't think... Many patients find dealing with their infertility extremely difficult because they feel isolated. Um, often there's a, a lot of um, a lot of people feel it's a trivial problem, and that's often friends and family who've got children of their own who will, I think, often um, feel that these infertile couples don't have anything to complain about. And, you know, we do see people who've got secondary infertility that maybe have one child and would like another one. And again, they're often dismissed as not having a valid problem. So I do think many of these patients feel they haven't got anywhere to turn. Um, We have a fantastic counselling team at the Lister, which again, I think, is an incredibly important part of the counselling service that we're not just offering people treatment, but we're offering them support to make those decisions. So counselling before treatment, counselling if treatment fails, counselling if people get pregnant and miscarry, which just like for couples who are getting pregnant naturally, there's always going to be that risk that a pregnancy may not progress in the way that the couple would have hoped. It must presumably be helpful too to see and hear other people like you in the same room. Well, that was the key thing because, I mean, I hope things have changed a bit. I was always very open. I'm quite an open person, as you know. Um, So I did talk to people about it, but I found that people... You don't. They don't want to talk about it. People, it, it is such a private thing, and I think there is an element of you sort of like saying it in just to your very closest friends, but not telling everybody. You know, I had to tell work, and they were very sympathetic, but it was like this really uncomfortable, horrible conversation. Because obviously, you, when you do have IVF, you kind of make quite a commitment to blood tests every day, um, all of the things that you need to do. So you need to take time out, and that was all quite weird because nobody was really. It, it wasn't an open conversation we were having at all. And the other thing that I must say about the um, open evening, which I found brilliant, was that you were very upfront. It wasn't like, oh, everybody come in and this is going to be absolutely fine and we'll get you pregnant and then you'll have this lovely family. You were very much like, this doesn't always work. And I think that that was, you, there was no wall being pulled over anyone's eyes. You know, that I thought was quite a key element. I would like to imagine that everybody is going to be honest and tell patients that we are never going to succeed and achieve a successful pregnancy for all the patients. But I firmly believe that provided you give people honest information, we have a massive database because we've computerised all the treatment cycles that we've done since the clinic started. Um, It's 
We have the ability to say to people that looking at people of your age with similar profiles, we've treated X patients in a similar position and this number of people have been successful. Now, that doesn't obviously tell the next patient who fits that profile if they will be successful. But if, for example, the data would suggest that the next couple I see have a 5% chance to have a successful pregnancy based on the information that we have, some people will go, well, 5% is a gamble I'm prepared to take. Um, And other people will go, no, maybe that isn't for me. And so I think it's incredibly important that we give people that information to help them try and decide what they want to do. And knowing that not everyone is going to be successful, I do feel that for some patients, trying, even if they're not successful, is better than having a closed door and being told there's nothing you can do, you're too old, you're you're not a good prognosis patient. Do you have a point where you say to someone, um, and I know because me and my partner did have a conversation before and said, we will give it this amount of goes and if it doesn't work by this point, then we're just going to, that door will shut. Do you have an obligation to say to somebody if they've tried three or four times or maybe more, no, stop now, this is not going to happen? I definitely would talk to couples that have had unsuccessful treatment if I felt that a further treatment had an incredibly low chance of success about possible alternatives, and that may be stopping. That might be for some couples investigating whether adoption was an option to try and have a family, or for some couples whether they ought to be considering um, using donor gametes. But obviously, not everybody is going to want to look at the option of either adoption or using donor gametes. And therefore, for some couples, if the likely chance of success is going to be extremely low, may have to take the decision to stop. And that is something that we would look at together and maybe with counselling support. The couples may decide to stop. But if I see a couple and we have never achieved a successful pregnancy in people with similar profiles, of course I'm going to tell the couple we have never achieved a successful pregnancy in anyone of your age. And just because you've harvested eggs or just because you've fertilised an egg, unless you've actually achieved the delivery of a live and healthy baby, it isn't a success. And I think that's a very important message to get over to the couple. I think, nevertheless, you know, you have to agree that fertility the world of fertility can be quite a murky world. You look on the internet and there's all sorts of people offering all sorts of strange things, aren't there? And I think, you know, a woman, a couple, a man wanting a baby in some cases can become so sort of overwhelmingly desperate. It's all consuming. And I think that that all-consuming nature of it can become very destructive, can't it? And and it leaves you vulnerable to the charlatans and the quacks out there. And I think it's where the world of complementary medicine can creep in and cost an awful lot of money and perhaps isn't quite so evidence-driven. Did you find that? Were you searching around for tinctures and tonics? Oh, I did acupuncture. I did everything going before I went down the IVF route. 
I mean, like, you know, yeah, tinctures. Oh, just Mrs. all sorts. Mrs. fertility liquid. Oh, I, I don't think I have fertility li- liquid, but there was a lot, a lot up, of other stuff going, up. a lot of other stuff going on that I was thinking. And, you know, every month I'd be like reading magazines going, oh, right, OK, let's try that. <laughs> it's just, it did get, but it was all consuming. And as I say, and every month you have this disappointment and it's just the world, the world it, your world falls in again because you have this hope for three weeks and then it's crashing away. Acupuncture is an interesting one. You mentioned that. Did you do that? I did. And actually, I, that might have helped because I did actually do it then in at the same time as I was having the IVF. So it might have helped, it might not. But, then but I was willing IVF. to do anything. I was just de- desperate yeah. and all-consuming. I mean, it was affecting my friendships. I mean, I, how my friends, two in particular... Um, how they stuck by me because they had kids recently, you know, and I would go around and I'd be the good godmother and all the rest of it. But it was absolutely killing me. And some of the stuff that I said well, I, to them at the time, I, 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 it still makes me ashamed of the way that I behaved at some points. Well, I thought it might be useful, given we have expert here, maybe mm. to sort of run through some of the common myths or things that people quite frequently think or believe or are even sold over the internet or even in some clinics, you know, that we can quite categorically say, save your money. Honestly, save your money. Um, I mean, should we start with acupuncture? Um, I always say to patients that acupuncture may alleviate some of the unpleasant side effects from the fertility drugs and therefore it may be useful for some patients in reducing the bloating and the unpleasantness that um, stimulating follicle growth may cause. I don't believe that acupuncture intrinsically improves the genetic quality of the gametes that a couple are going to produce because I think that is down to science. And that's obviously what makes fertility so variable that I might produce an egg that produces an embryo that looks identical to my best friend's and yet my embryo may be euploid, may be genetically perfect and hers may not and yet they may look the same. And it may have nothing to do with the diets that we're eating or the complementary medicines that we are taking. So I think it's all about what the couple feel positive about provided they are not spending a ridiculous amount of money on those complementary therapies. I think I always say to patients, a good diet is good for life. It isn't just about fertility that, you know, I think it is going to be good for us, but we're not necessarily going to have any better egg quality because otherwise, how on earth can you explain that people who are drug addicts and people who are living in parts of the world where they're seriously undernourished are still reproducing? And I do feel strongly that infertility creates a vulnerable group of the population, that people are likely to feel under pressure to behave in a certain way. Mm. And I think what we need to do is to give sensible information without making people feel guilty that they're not doing certain things. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the, when you look at those, you study the evidence. There's a study from Australia, there's a study from America, from Massachusetts. It really doesn't show any significant effect on acupuncture at all, but... Perhaps it helps you relax. And I think perhaps that's the key thing. These mm. frantic, frazzled, you know, at their wits end couples who are, let's be crude, banging away every hour. The poor man's exhausted. Sex has become monotonous and miserable and they both hate each other. Is not going to get a couple pregnant, is it? And mm. actually, perhaps it's the take some time out. Take some time relax. out. But I, I remember someone saying to me. Just relax. Just enjoy sex. And me thinking, I'm going to shoot you. Because <laughs> I was like, I can't relax. I, I think what is important is to present a couple with a plan that works for them. Because if you have a patient that has decided that what she wants to do, she, sorry, they have decided what they want to do is an IVF cycle. It could be she on her own. It could be she on her own. But, but if the, the, the patients, the couple, the, the woman on her own have decided what they want to do is a cycle of IVF, then they're not going to want to be discouraged. So I think it's setting in um, a plan that the couple are happy with. Um, there are going to be people that will do one cycle of IVF and it fails and they'll never do another cycle because it just isn't for them. Equally, if you make the whole process of the first IVF cycle so hideous and so challenging, then you may not allow the couple to come back and do another cycle. So I think if we can make the first treatment cycle not too challenging, then you will hopefully have some patients who haven't been successful that won't feel terrified to come back and do another cycle. Mm. So I think having a team who support the patient through that journey. And I do think we are lucky that at the Lister we have a great team of nurses, of counsellors. You know, I have a fantastic secretary who 
speaks to patients. Um, we are huge emailers, so I am always fielding emails from patients asking questions. And I think that is important mm, to provide support along the journey. I, I was you, sorry, Alex. You can sorry. Say, no. I, well, I'm just quite curious about, because I, I said earlier, you know, I was just, like in hindsight, I don't think I could have come pregnant because just my mindset. Is there something like that? I think the problem with unexplained infertility is exactly that. We don't exactly know why some couples are not conceiving. And it may be as something as simple that both partners produce a relatively low percentage of eggs and sperm that are destined to make babies. And that's why people do get pregnant in year three, year four, without any intervention. It may have something to do with the process of getting the eggs and sperm together that it isn't working successfully within the woman's body and that when you take control of that situation, that you extract the eggs from the woman's ovary, you put the gentlemen's sperm together with the eggs in the fertility laboratory that you are coming overcoming some hurdle that you cannot identify. And I think that's the difficulty that a couple know when to have sex at the optimal time of the cycle. They've bought a fertility monitor and they know that they're having intercourse at the time that the woman may be ovulating. But ovulation might not be producing the release of a healthy egg. And so for a lot of couples, performing IVF and at least showing that that process is working successfully may be advantageous. And obviously, however excellent a woman's ovarian potential and um, if you had a group of women and they were all the same age, the woman's ovarian potential would not be uniform across a, w a group of women of the same age. Um, and every woman potentially in a natural cycle usually only produces one follicle, the um, structure within the ovary that should contain the egg. In an IVF cycle, um, a relatively fertile woman might produce 12 to 15 eggs. So you achieve in one cycle what you might achieve in more than a year. And that obviously gives patients, therefore, a greater efficiency within that month. And obviously, for some patients, it also gives them the potential to cryopreserve embryos to use in the future. And there are obviously lucky patients that have had more than one successful pregnancy because they've been able to bank embryos mm. from their first cycle. If we, I want to sort of go back to basics, people who mm. are haven't even embarked on, on, on this and perhaps are thinking about having a baby, because I think there's some important facts that, that a lot of people don't know. For instance, you know, that it can take easily up to a year to get pregnant. And in fact, we wouldn't even suggest starting investigations until you've been trying for a year. That might seem an awful long time. I've been absolutely right. However, I think you should always add in the proviso, provided the couple don't have any serious, significant medical history. Um, if a gentleman knows that something serious happened to his testicles, yeah, he had a major injury that might have affected his um, sperm production, 
those are not the couples that you want to no, wait no, no, no. a long time before investigations. Likewise, if a woman has had a very nasty pelvic infection, that might affect her fertility. Or if there is a significant family history of fertility problems. So I think sometimes there may be a subsection of the population who perhaps should go for investigation sooner. And I think that's why... Some patients come for what's called a fit for fertility assessment. We offer um, a consultation um, for a couple to come and talk about basic investigations. They may be have just started trying or they maybe haven't even thought about stopping contraception, but they just need to know where they sit. And therefore, you might flag up certain possible um, risk factors. And still, those couples might conceive naturally without any treatment. But you don't want to miss the couple that think that they can easily get pregnant naturally and they've wasted three years and then you discover that the gentleman has an exceedingly low sperm count and is highly unlikely to make his partner pregnant. Mm. Well, I think that's an interesting point because I, I think because the media keeps banging on to women of a certain age your fertility's for it, you know, you've got to get pregnant. So you've already got that gun to your head. You've already got it from all corners. And and then you're demonised because, for so many different reasons. And I, at the time, thought, this could have been happening in my 20s. I just don't know because I, how would I know? I, I wouldn't have known that I wasn't producing all these eggs. Um, at 25 or 35. It just it, So that really irritated me because I thought the media would have it all the time that because I'd left it to 35, even though I'd been trying for three years, that therefore I kind of deserved not to be, have a child. And then that irritated me because I thought this I could have been in the same situation 10 years ago. I just would not have had a clue. I know. I mean, I think that's the problem with contraception, that... You don't know how fertile you are because mm. you're using contraception. But how awful to think that no somebody doesn't deserve to have a child if that's what they want. I mean, one would like to think that everybody would be supported in their hopes to have a family if that's what they want. I mean, accepting that not everybody wants to have a family. Mm. Well, that's an interesting question. Is, is having a child a right? <sighs> I think one should support people to try to have a family wherever possible. A right, that's a very strong word, isn't it? I think what's difficult is that men and women are in such a different position that women have a finite time to have a family and men don't. And I think what is so terribly difficult for women today is that Many men, because of effective contraception, can um, decide not to have a family, but may still, um, in, they may decide not to have a family in their 30s or 40s, but may go on to still have children in their 50s. And so I think we're not on an equal um, footing which is really difficult. And contraception has certainly made it more difficult for women because obviously you can have sex without preg- unwanted pregnancies. So where... I mean, we, should, we should put in that contraception doesn't affect your fertility, but it might delay the time at which you decide Absolutely. to get pregnant to a point... It. 
it masks whether you're for, for you yes, know, your yeah, fertility. Exactly, because right, you're yeah. not presumably thinking about it, or yeah. you are, but in the other way, yeah, if yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, I think some important do's and don'ts then for, let's assume, relatively healthy couples who are wanting to have a baby, as I said. Um, you know, it might take up to a year. That's not unusual. So don't immediately think there's something wrong. Um, don't sort of have sex overly regularly. You don't need to have sex every day. In fact, that isn't generally advised, is it? I would suggest that couples have sex when they want to. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. think you should give exactly. them that's a so rarely happens, recipe. It? A recipe. You on the bed. Oh, please no. <laughs> no recipe for success exists. I mean, obviously, I think it's useful for a woman to understand her cycle because not every wo- woman is going to be fertile on day fourteen. But equally, I think if women religiously use a fertility monitor and are making fraught phone calls to their partner's place of work saying, come home, we've got to do it tonight or else, is equally not always going to be helpful. But I think... A relatively fertile man might produce sperm that would still be effective if the couple had had intercourse two or three days before ovulation. It isn't absolutely necessary to have sex at the exact moment that ovulation is occurring. Absolutely. Um, So ones that I get asked a lot, for some reason, I was asked about sex, the actual mechanics of sex. And it is about, I'm going to ask you, I love testing Alex. But <laughs> I hate this because you know positions. I get prudish. I know you do. It makes well, you I, blush. Well, so let's was, talk sex Well, positions. I was thinking that after after a lot of times, God, he's going to kill me if I say this, but I did spend a, an inordinate amount of time with my legs in the <laughs> that's air. That's one of them. That's one of them. For, for like, literally, I'd be like half an hour lying there with my legs up against the wall and just like, this is so, so unattractive. Dr. Ren, tell us the truth. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I think, going to be in this position. I might be, you never know. But, you know, are there any particular Expositions and should we lie on our backs with our legs in the air? Absolutely not. (laughs) You know, I I suspect that people should adopt the position that they like. End of story. But, you know, we all know that girls got pregnant from having sex standing up behind the bike sheds. So clearly, position is totally irrelevant. (laughs) I think that is definitely an old wives' tale. (laughs) Still, so many people think it and do it, don't they? Mm hmm. Absolutely. And it's all over and the what internet. about the legs in the air after after sex oh. to try and keep everything in there? I mean, yes, that's, but... that's like I mean, jumping most... up and down on the bed to not get pregnant. <laughs> it's the kind of the problem. This isn't was it? my mindset. Yeah, yeah. No, I really uh, absolutely old wives' tale. It's... Oh my goodness! All all those hours. <laughs> what a waste. I mean, so let's talk about things. Weight does affect fertility. There's no doubt about that. If you're very overweight, it can reduce your fertility and trying to get your weight down to a healthy level is important. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Both for women and for men. Um, And obviously the NHS has a very strict weight-related policy for couples, that women that are looking at fertility treatment. So I think... But equally, I think if somebody is making huge efforts to live a healthy lifestyle, having a figure that if you weigh more than this, we're not going to treat you is fairly harsh because I think it's about their health, not just their absolute weight, that you may have somebody that's an optimal weight, but they're smoking 30 cigarettes a day and lying about it. Or you may have somebody that's a normal weight, but they're, you know, making themselves sick every day because they've got an eating disorder. So I think it's about the whole picture of health. And sometimes being too thin is not good as well. Um, I think women who have um, issues with 
being um, above a certain weight may affect their normal menstrual cycle quite profoundly. Booze is obviously a big one, isn't it? For men especially, isn't it? I Probably more for oh, the mechanics. Well, well, I thought it was not so much the mechanics. I thought it was the sperm count. No, I, don't, is it, or is that I think in an ideal was? world that it's probably important that people have adopted a healthy lifestyle. But, you know, how many people have conceived after a drunken night out? I think... What is important is that there is good evidence to show that mothers that drink a lot run the risk of having a child with a fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm. So I think in preparation for conception, one wants to adopt a healthy lifestyle. But I think somebody who has an occasional drink isn't going to significantly compromise their fertility. But infertile patients are often made to feel guilty. So I think a lot of the Mm. patients feel guilty that they've had a drink or... You also see that the women who are putting themselves through a fertility program, taking huge amounts of fertility drugs and going for multiple scans and blood tests, feel very let down that their partner is going out with his mates and having several drinks. And so, I again, I always say to the men, it's important, I think, for your partner that you are seen to be standing on the sidelines being supportive Mm. and maybe just take that into consideration when you're looking at your lifestyle. I think we should acknowledge here, being the only man in the room um, sort of, that it can be I think quite, it's very tough on the women, but I think it can be very tough on the men too, who don't necessarily feel that they have a lot they can do. And it's like at the time of, of, of labour and delivery, you just stand there and feel utterly useless and utterly stupid and, and utterly helpless. And that can be quite traumatic. Oh, very much so. I do think that a lot of the men feel um, extremely um, anxious about what's going on and obviously possibly made even worse if the main factor that may be leading to the infertility is a poor sperm um, result. Um, These men feel terribly guilty. And I think, again, very important that there is adequate counselling for support during these difficult times for the couple. Is there at the moment, are we in an infertility for males is there is there a problem with men's sperm basically because i remember seeing something about that sperm there is decreasing. yes are they sperm decreasing? Ca- yes mm. definitely i de- Quite a lot, actually, why uh, possibly environmental factors i mean historically um before oral contraceptives existed there was no hormones in um the water cycle right. nowadays there are obviously huge numbers of people take oral contraceptives and therefore all of those hormones get into the water cycle that may have one um, part to play in this I think again um, increase in numbers of sexual partners that people have potentially increases the prevalence of sexually transmitted infections which may have an impact on fertility both for men and women but also a greater percentage of older fathers and whilst mm. the decline in male um, fertility is less obvious. There is definitely a decrease in semen quality in much older fathers. It's true. And I think, you know, there are things you can, you know, 
they're not complete myths. Saunas and very hot baths do temporarily decrease your sperm count. There was a very strange, if brutal, study done in India where they put poor Indian men who wanted to be have some form of contraception into very, very, very hot baths for a period of time. And it almost completely stopped sperm production for a period. So, you know, think on if you enjoy a hot sauna after your gym session three times a week and you're wondering why your sperm count or your fertility is decreasing. Anyway, I think we're nearly at the end of time, aren't we? We are, but I'm really gutted because I could actually carry on talking. You can, <laughs> but I've one. got to do some and then Christine. you can okay. carry on talking. But listen, that's about it for Second Opinion. Thank you, Alex, as always. And a huge uh, thank you to my special guest, Dr. Mary Wren, for very kindly taking time out and coming to see us today and talk all things fertility. Um, if you've got any questions, uh, well, you can contact me on Twitter, asking questions. I presume you can contact the Lister, even. Um, and if you like what you've heard, then please give us five stars and share this podcast with all your mates. That's it. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.